Well, hello, Stu. Hi, Gladden. I am back with my superpowers. Yes, I saw some of these on Instagram. Yes, yes. This Have is... you ever walked in fire? I'm, I mean, can, with the temperature of the studio, I'm considering it. Yeah, I'm yeah. considering hot coals right below my feet during right, the show. Right, I've walked on You hot. have? I saw yeah, it. And it's crazy. It's yeah, crazy. the story is crazy. Tell you about that. Also, uh, we get you ready. This is a big week, a uh, week before Thanksgiving. Uh, for the renewal of the Covenant, which happens on Thursday's uh, broadcast. Um, we have, uh, who else was on today? We had uh, Vody Bachman, Bachman yep. who was talking about really culture and, and how fast that's uh, going south. And also, uh, we have Rob Schneider on, the actor and comedian. He's talking about his change to Christ. Uh, he's gotten baptized and joined faith. We're going to find out why all on today's podcast here it is you're listening to the best of the glenn beck program so there is a broad coalition uh for american communities it's gathering tomorrow march for israel uh and it's happening at the national mall in washington dc it is to show uh, the support for Israel and Jews. I wish I could be there. I could not rearrange my schedule, but I highly recommend that you go tomorrow. I've checked this out six ways to Sunday. Um, These organizations I don't agree with on everything, but on this, I absolutely agree. March for Israel tomorrow at the National Mall in Washington, D.C. We have Rob on. Rob Schneider is uh, with us now. He just turned 60. Hey, old man, how are you? I don't know how that happened. Am I have to join that AARP? <laughs> I know. I think you got to tell 65, I, I think. I don't know. Uh, I'm only 59, so. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So I'm, I'm not old like you yet. All right, Junior. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so, um, Rob, you wrote a great article um, about your journey into 60 and your advice at 60, but you also talk about you've, you've become a practicing Catholic. You've, you've, were you Christian your whole life and just never practicing or what's your story? Yeah. I I was kind of going through life, slugging along, ignoring God and uh, pretending like uh, there was a, like, you know, I kind of like the atheist mistake of there's um and they you know they're my friends, atheists, but they make the mistake of thinking like this whole universe is just this gigantic uh, thing expanding and bumping into stuff and uh, that's meaningless and just and that we are some accidental freak of intelligence that just happened and and it'll all go away. And and I just think that, you know, if um, as my buddy Norm Macdonald said, you know, we're not a we're we're you know, we're a small fraction of the universe. So if there is such a thing as compassion, love and uh, and empathy, then it must be endemic to this whole, whole thing that we exist in. And, um, and, and I, I, I think, um, you know, the, the, that little voice of, uh, Jesus Christ was, uh, was never, was always coming back to me, even though I was going away from him. And then finally, I think during all of this and, um, kind of more obvious, I don't know how else to say it, but more obvious evil in the world. And, yeah. uh, uh, I think it kind of, uh, it gave me, a, 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 you know, a, I kind of got back to it that way because if there is this 
really organized evil in the world. And, and I don't think it's at all more powerful, but I do think it's, it's here to, to challenge us as a, individually, as a family, as a community. And I think also, as, as you and I, you know, have come to really understand now, as a nation, yeah. that uh, I think we, um, you know, uh, are you coming to God and realizing that, um, as, the, as Father Ripperger said, uh, and, the, 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 and I don't have, the thing is some people are having a, a question about uh, Christianity is, is in Jesus, whatever form it is. I just, for me, Catholicism works because sure. it's the closest to the word. It's the closest to the actual word of Jesus through, um, through the Greek and the Latin. And, and that's why that's, uh, it works for me. So, but, um, you know, I saw an article about this uh, in, let me look. It was, I think it was Christianity Today. No, ChristianPost.com. Uh, and it, uh, it talked about how you're, you know, you're, you're, you have failed in the past to show Christ's forgiveness to those who you disagree with. Um, and it's really beautiful stuff that you've said about forgiving people, et cetera, et cetera. But then it goes into, yeah, but he's repeatedly weighed in on LGBTQ uh, related issues on his ex account. Um, he was talking about the uh, the female athlete getting spiked in the face by a male competing with the women. And he wrote, this has got to stop. If parents, coaches, and women athletes all refuse to play against these men, it all stops. And then he was on the Glenn Beck program, and he talked about gender mutilation. Um, and so they're trying to say that, see, you really haven't changed because you're not forgiving of those things. Well, that, that's a difference between Christ doesn't want us to, to just uh, stand down and accept evil and forgive evil and let it to perpetuate. Christ wants us to stand up against it. You don't want to just, you have to knock, you know, Christ knocked over the, the, the merchants that were no longer practicing uh, at the temple because he, and, and showed a righteous anger. We have to protect the most vulnerable members of our society, our children. Now, there's uh, this weird justification that it seems to be okay for women now to suddenly, uh, in, for the, quote, progress, they need to take a back seat to other men, and that's what these people are. They're mm -hmm. men. They're not women in any way, shape, or form. And th there's, there's this strange societal narcissism that is somehow accepted in, in some ways. Is, is I think is, is, an, is an attack on women, which is an attack on God. And I, I think we need to stand up and protect them. And, and it's just a, um, there is evil that can perpetuate and you know it's wrong and the people know it's wrong. And I'm glad that, uh, that the female athletes like Riley Gaines are, 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 are actually talking and stepping up. And my wife actually corrected me because I said, why don't the student, why don't the student athletes and these women step up these you know who are these swim teams or basketball teams or whatever or volleyball teams step up and say something and she said they do but people aren't listening to them because mm -hmm. people don't listen to women and i said wow i mean i think i think she's right i i will tell you that um there's a great misunderstanding on uh speaking the truth that's all that christ spoke was the truth and sometimes people don't like it Oh, well, it doesn't mean I stop loving you um, because you're my brother or sister. And I hope that, you know, some at some point truth corrects you 
and you come on the side of truth. But uh, I don't hate you, and uh, I don't. That's why I don't take it out. I try not to take it out on you. It's really hard. It's really hard. It is hard. It is hard, and it's supposed to be hard, and it's supposed to be difficult. But we have to. We have to uh, try to. Um, we have to trust that that righteous instinct, and it, it's there to challenge us. But we cannot be silent, and we cannot uh, we cannot stand down when you know, the, the, especially the most vulnerable members of our society are, are now under attack. And I, and I think it's you know the the LBGT, LBGTQ community that were it wasn't that's not the whole community, but the community that is pushing this uh, knowingly knows it's wrong because they went to a, a group of attorneys and they got advice about how to do this. And they said, don't do it with any publicity as far as, you know, the um, gender issues and the gender, uh, what they call protections. And it's interesting because they just renamed protections for something that is the opposite of it, mm -hmm. which is mutilation. Mm -hmm. Because you have like, if these, and it's, I just tell people who are, who, because they use our goodwill against us, which is inherently evil. But if these children uh, can't vote, we don't allow them to drive. We don't allow them to own a gun. We don't uh, allow them to um, join the army uh, we be, or get even tattoos because they are not capable of making these permanent decisions about these things. But yet we're able to do these horrible, and they are horrible, right? right. horrible things and that have lifelong repercussions. And you see, um, you know, the, in Prager University, there's a wonderful film. Well, I say wonderful, but there was a very uh, knowledgeable mm -hmm. and um, informing film about the detransitioners. And it's just, it's, it's criminal. And what it is, it's sad. And let the child uh, you know, at least turn 18 before they decide to do something. I think yeah. 18 also. My, my child, my oldest one, my daughter, she wasn't an adult at 18 either. I mean, truthfully, the brain doesn't stop till 25. Right. So, but I do think at least at a minimum, if you have any conscience at all, then that there should be um, any faith at all. Then you have wait till they're 18 before they make a decision, and and um, and and just don't jump on any new fads, especially a fad that has uh, the 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 real evil of it is this idea that they can be. Uh, you know, infertile and, and just destroy themselves for life. I, I think there is a, um, there is a really an attack on babies. There's an attack on, on oh, girls. A, there's an attack on the, women. This whole thing is a culture of death. I mean, you look at what's happening with the Palestinian uh, uh, rallies where they're openly chanting, uh, you know, death to Jews and send them to Germany and, all of these horrible, horrible things. This th every bit of this evil, at us, yeah. yeah, is well, it, it, culture it, of death. It, it is a cultural. It is a culture of death. It's a, a culture. It's just. I think there's um, there's different ways to get at this, and like you know, my coming to Christ was also an illogical sense of. I do think um, you have the atheists now who have. It's like the opposite of the Snopes trial. The Snopes trial. Which which cornered in Snopes trial which in the 1920s, mm -hmm. um, which was about Christianity and uh, evolution, and uh, the the idea that Christianity was was trying to um, close in and limit the idea of God's plan 
uh, of uh, which could have been evolutionary in part for sure um, was 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 basically putting uh, a, a fanatic spin on uh, Christianity and faith. What you have now is the opposite of the Snopes trial. You have a fanaticism coming from the atheists, coming from godless people, and, and, and that are um, not wanting to see the potentiality of God and the potentiality of what they're doing could be wrong. And just a real, real ex- exposing this is seeing the LBGTQ community who are supporting Hamas and Palestinians. Mm-hmm. And it's like somebody's got to whisper in their ear, hey, they would kill you in a minute. Yeah. They'll stone you to death. These these are not people. These are murderers. You have to call them what they are. And what it really, the sad thing about the pro-Palestinian things you see on campus, and you see, it's like, they, you know, when they say do not forget, never forget the Holocaust, it's because it it is something that can be forgotten. And it is being forgotten. Because it's the, the, the very few remaining Holocausts uh, survivors who are children now, very young children. Now, you makes you realize a terrible thing, Glenn, which is that the the idea that the Holocaust could have been, you know, well, that's an end to this horrible anti-Semitism. You realize that it isn't, that it's just, nope. there's going to be a continual, it was an apex yep. anti-Semitism, that there is not, that there is going to be a continuation of pogroms and an attack on these people. And, uh, on our, on our on these on these people because it is a, it is a, con, a continuation of anti-Semitism. It is certainly not anywhere near the end of it. And and for people who um, war is hell and war is hell and and the idea that um, somehow there's a clean war or there's a way to do it. I mean the death of of of, of children in any situation is is abhorrent and horrible. And the uh, and and you try to prevent it the best you can, but if I remember thinking of Robert McNamara, who was um, working with uh, the Air Force during World War II, they were talking about the firebombing of Japanese cities, and which was, you know, horrific. Something that horrific, absolutely mm-hmm. horrific. Dresden was absolutely horrific. Maybe more people died in Dresden than Nagasaki and Hiroshima combined. The bombing of Dresden. Um, in, in World War II, towards the end of, uh, uh, but to bring Germany to its knees to end that war, was a was a was a greater good, and it's all horrible. But the idea that Hamas is going to be allowed to survive in any form now, for for our questioning of it is, um, what is going to replace it? You know that that's that's the question. But you have to we you can't sit back and allow your people to be slaughtered. No. You, your babies, you can't. And so we, we have to stand with Israel. And we have to know that this is something that it's it's um, it's not going to be easy. And that there's, there's going to be, I mean, it's going to require prayer. It's going to require God's help. It's going to require our help. But we have to be there for that and not give in to uh, this um, Hamas uh, publicity campaign, which they're very good at. We're talking to uh, Rob Schneider. He's actor, comedian, uh, writer, and he's just written a piece for uh, com, The Gift of Turning 60, where he talks about this and so much more. Uh, and you can find that on the front page of The Blaze. Rob, great talking to you. Thank you so much. 
Always. Thank you for your time, but you thank bet. you for your faith. You bet. God, Godspeed. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program, and don't forget, rate us on iTunes. Let's let's continue our conversation on the covenant, which is coming on Thursday, and, and I pose this question at first: Why does everybody hate the Jews? Scientists have actually looked at this. Experts <laughs> this and historians. This is really real. good question. Yeah. Why does everybody seem to hate the Jews? Mm-hmm. Uh, one. First, they came up with five reasons. One, Jews are hated because they're an inferior race. Except Jewishness is not a race. Any person, any creed or color can convert to Judaism. Okay, I convert to be a Jew. They would kill me just as fast. Okay. Next one, economic. Jews are hated because they possess too much wealth and power. Well, okay, there are some well-off Jews, uh, but there are millions of poor and downtrodden Jews as well. So Jews are people too. Isn't it kind of weird like that? Jews are hated because they're different from everyone else is answer number three. They're outsiders. Well, Jewish communities often tried to assimilate in the 18th century in Europe. They tried desperately to assimilate. How'd that work out for them? Scapegoat. Answer number four. The Jews are hated because they're the cause for all the world's problems. They've been hated because they're an easy target. Okay. Deicide. The Jews are hated because they killed Jesus Christ. I just like to point out, I'm pretty sure that were, those were the Romans that killed Jesus. They were the ones. So I asked the question again, why do people hate the Jews? And why is America second in line? Notice that? We're the great Satan. Why? I think there's really one reason. The Jewish people know who they are. They're the children of Israel. They are from the promised land. They are God's chosen people. Who says they're chosen people? That's not. That's not right. Everybody's searching for answers. Searching for the truth. Jews have something unique. They have an eternal identity that has been spoken. And it's an identity that is built on traditions, laws, promise, faith in God, a covenant, a rock of a covenant. And the Jewish people work hard at studying and teaching that covenant. They've handed down the traditions and blessings from one generation to another for thousands of years. They are very clear who they are. Now, just that alone, holding on to who you are, passing on customs and traditions and conventions, that makes you a little peculiar in today's world. We're not doing it. They are. And their covenant gives them a relationship with God and with one another. It binds them. It lifts them up. You know, the attitude in Israel is extraordinarily positive right now. I have heard that people have told me in Israel that everybody's very optimistic. They're all like, we're going to win this and we're going to solve this problem. And they're not cowering in fear. Where do they get that? The covenant of God gives them confidence that they're going to be blessed if they do what they're supposed to do. In a world where the foundations of truth and reality are being destroyed and being distorted, that kind of confidence 
lends itself to envy. And as Yoda warned us, envy leads to jealousy. Jealousy leads to hate. Hate leads to anger. And anger leads to the dark side. Or something like that. Like suffering. or Shut up. I'll tell you what Yoda said. <laughs> we are suffering today, are we not? And it's because we're not grateful. It's because we forgot who we are. Jealousy. It leads to riots, abuse, and kidnappings. It's led us to war. And over and over again, it has led to mass genocide. You see, I think why the Jews are so hated is it's Satan's way of winning against God. This is the, this is the scriptures according to Glenn, so take it for what it's worth. God made the covenant. God did. I'll be your God. You will be my people. You will grow in size. All Satan has to do to beat God is to kill God's chosen people. That forces it. If I kill all of his people, then he's no longer God because he said he would protect them. And if we're looking away for a way out of our situation, the surest way is to follow the example of the Jew. Remember who you are. Remember, too, that we're number two. We're the great Satan. We're next. And that's because we, too, are a covenant people. You notice it's not Great Britain that they're saying is a great Satan. It's us. It's us. Because we when the pilgrims set foot in America, they step forward not only on the rock at Plymouth, but on the rock of the covenant. Comparisons are made all the time between the Jews and the pilgrims, and the pilgrims were also reviled. They were persecuted. They were led to a land of promise. And like the Jews, the pilgrims built on traditions, laws, and faith in God. The pilgrims worked hard. They didn't blame others. They studied. They sought and taught the covenant. They handed down promises and blessings from one generation to the next. They forged a nation built on a relationship with God. But we, when we get to next week and we're celebrating Thanksgiving, how many of us are thinking about any of those things? Any of them. We've abandoned our promises. We've cast aside our blessings. We've given up on our relationship with God. But let Thursday change this. Because we can pick up the mantle of our national covenant again. And the pilgrims made their covenant with us. I, I tell you, with us. Not some generic us, but us. The people living today in mind. They're nearing the first Thanksgiving. They had so many trials. Only half of their company is left. Half died on the way over, then the other half, the half of the other half died in the first winter. William Brewster's one of the survivors, and he said, for some divine purpose, we yet remain. It is our master's will that we stand or fall here. And in our harvest trials, has not the divine presence been with us? Wherefore, let us stand. We believe this movement to be from him. If he prosper us. We shall be the means of planting here a Christian colony and of ending hence its precious blessing. Blessed, 
blessed it will be for us. Blessed for this land, for this vast continent. Generations to come shall look back to this hour and find these scenes of agonizing trial to this day of small things and say, here was our beginning as a people. These were our fathers. Through their trials, we inherit our blessings. Their faith is our faith. Their hope is our hope. Their God is our God. That's what the covenant is about. You have inherited the blessings and the responsibilities that have come with this covenant. You didn't make it. But our pilgrims, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, renewed it. We've made this. This is what God means when he says, if that nation will turn back and turn their face back to me, I will heal their land. It's your turn to step up and answer the call. The nation is waiting. The world is waiting. God is waiting. Thursday, on this broadcast, do not miss Thursday's broadcast. If you want to know more about it and you want to prepare for it, just go to glenbeck.com. We have a 40-day and 40-night. You're going to have to race through that one. And we have a 15-day that is more on your family. This first one is about the covenant, what it all means, all the examples of it in the past. And the 15-day is for your family and yourself to prepare for it. You'll find those both at glenbeck.com. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Oh, my good friend, Dr. Vody Bachman is uh, with it. He with us. He is the author of The Ever-Loving Truth. How you doing, Vody? I'm doing great, man. It's good to talk to you again. Thank you. Are you in are you in Africa still? Yeah, I'm in Zambia right okay. now. Yeah. How are things in, in Zambia? I don't get to say that very often. <laughs> things are things are going okay. It's hot. Yeah. But, uh, things are going okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Vody, I wanted to get you on because we're we're doing uh renewal of the covenant the pilgrims George Washington and Abraham uh, Lincoln made uh in our history. And um it it all really revolves around the truth, and we have a problem with truth right now. And I know you have a book out and you talk about a um a pastor that uh, you were talking uh, talking to, and he said, let me tell you about my Bible study that I had a few weeks ago. And he was uh, teaching uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Can you tell that story? Do you remember that story? No, well, no. I, you got you to you help me with okay, that. Okay, so he said um. he was sitting, uh, <laughs> sitting down in a group full of uh, uh, people, and he was watching the young um, people because he got to the part of the text where it involved an affair uh, and uh, that he knew that, you know, there was going to be problems. And he said it wasn't the problem of the illicit affair that intrigued the younger set, but the idea that Paul would response. have. Yeah, Paul would have the yes, audacity, absolutely. the idea of the response. Right. That you should yeah, be removed yeah, from the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, well, yeah, when you start asking me about the stories in the, in, I'm sorry, in the book, yeah, yeah. You, you can throw me a little bit. <laughs> I know, but, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, that, that was the idea that the people were offended by the absolute truth claim, more offended by the absolute truth claim than they were by the sin itself. It, it's as though in, in this day, the greatest sin that you can commit is not what God calls sin, but actually calling out what God calls sin. And, you know, the, the, the reason that I sort of hesitate with that story is because, you know, this is an updated and re-released uh, version of a book, my first book yeah. that I actually wrote in, in 2004. And that's one of the stories from the actual, from the original, you know, book back in 2004. And the reason that we redid this, the reason that we did a, a, an update and revision was because those things I was talking about back then are not only still with us, but they've actually grown and mutated. Oh yeah. And so today, you know, it wouldn't be, you know, an affair. Uh, today, it would be something about, you know, the, the trans and actually saying that, you know, trans women are, are not real women. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that this new version of tolerance has elevated, um, so you know, everybody's personal desire above the word of God. How do you how do you describe this new tolerance? Because tolerance used to mean that, you yeah. know, you just put up with somebody who's saying things you don't necessarily agree with or don't like, and you're just like, you know, just let it pass. <laughs> but now you can't do that. Right. No, no, no. The, the, the new tolerance, you know, the, it's, it's, there's three pieces. There's relativism, pluralism, and tolerance. And, you know, I put these together um, and talk about how they, they form this foundation. Relativism, the idea that, you know, truth is relative. There's, there's no absolute truth. Pluralism, all ideas are equal and of equal value. And tolerance is that you must celebrate the ideas of others and consider them of equal value to your own. So it's it's not disagreeing agreeably. It's not disagreeing at all. But there's a caveat. And the caveat is there are truths with which you can disagree. And they are truths found in the scripture. You don't have to you don't have to tolerate truths that are found in the scripture. You have to tolerate all people, but you don't have to tolerate you know, white, male, heterosexual, cisgendered, able-bodied, right. native-born, right? So, again, this new tolerance is, is selective and intolerant. You know, there's a, I, I've, I've noticed a really disturbing trend um, as we all, at least God-fearing people, um, have started to go, you know, maybe um, – we better turn back to God. Maybe I haven't done what I was supposed to do. Maybe I haven't, you know, I'm not the best representative of my faith. Um, and more and more people are starting to turn there. And some people are taking, uh, I've, I've talked to several people in, in America who believe that our constitution, it's old, outdated on our side. It's old, outdated, and it needs to be replaced yeah. with more of a religious state, which to me is terrifying and not the path that we're yeah. supposed to go down. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, 
to think that our Constitution, the U.S. Constitution, is the oldest standing Constitution in the world by far and i think it speaks to it speaks to god's providence and the genius of the individuals you know who 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 put it together um but you know that doesn't mean that it can't be eroded and it is being eroded and i don't think the answer to the erosion is to somehow do what other countries do all the time which is abandon it um you know and 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 try to do something new and try to do something different because the fact of the matter is uh, you know our worldview and foundation uh, is so skewed that whatever we came up with I, i'd be afraid of yeah, so would I. Um, the the idea, though, that um, you, we have people from all different faiths, but we are a Judeo-Christian nation. That's what we were founded on. So how, you, you know, go ahead. That's why. That's why we can have people of so many different faiths, because our biblical morality is such that we do not force our faith on others. It is our biblical morality that laid the foundation for people to come and be free. It's our biblical morality that created the environment. And ironically, people are now trying to throw away that biblical morality, and the end result will be tyranny, not tolerance. The the average the role of the average Christian in I mean we've I think tolerance has been used against us um, because we've wanted yes. to be kind, et cetera, et cetera. And we stop speaking the truth. And uh, that's so misunderstood in today's world. What what role should a Christian play in today's society? What should we be doing? Yeah. And, you know, I talk about this in the book, too. And at the end of the day, we're, we're truth tellers. At the end of the day, we, we stand on the truth of the gospel. At the end of the day, we love people enough to tell them the truth. We believe that all men are sinners and that there is only one answer to man's sin problem. And when we present Christ and his person and work as the answer to man's sin problem, that is not us saying, I'm superior to you. That's us saying, I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where I found bread. Tell me um, your help help on this. There are so many people. I was just talking to Rob Schneider, the the actor and comedian, and in, he just converted, and uh, he's now a Christian where he was kind of nothing. Um, and um, he said it's because evil is becoming so apparent now. I figured I should pick a side, um, but, but for some reason, evil is not apparent to so many. For instance. I feel bad for the innocent people in Gaza that might be killed as collateral damage in a war, um, just like I felt bad for Germans that were killed in the war as collateral damage. Um, but you're seeing people now on the streets call for the death of Jews, quoting Hitler um, and still... Yeah. So many people all around the world are not waking up to uh, think this sounds evil. How do, how do you yeah, and how do you get people to wake up if they will stare evil in its face and do nothing? 
Yeah, that and that's the great irony. You know, it, people do see evil, but, you know, as Isaiah warns, they actually call good evil and evil, evil good. good. And ultimately, th this is a worldview issue. You keep hearing this same, and we've talked about this before when I was there with you in person, this same neo-Marxist worldview that divides the world into oppressors and the oppressed. And when you look at conflicts, you look at conflicts through that lens of who qualifies as the oppressor here, not by their actions, right, but by your classifications, and who qualifies as the oppressed. And people are making decisions based on that and solely based on that. And that stops them from seeing evil things that they grew up knowing i mean there's not a person except for nazis there's not a person in america that didn't grow up being taught you know the holocaust was a horror show yeah yeah I, and that's part of the great you know irony in all this but there's less of that being taught than there is this oppressor oppressed binary which is interesting because we don't want binaries with male and female but we want binaries with oppressor oppressed mm -hmm. right but there's so much of that being taught and it overwhelms anything else that's being taught um in, in terms of history and, and also what's being taught is that there's certain ideologies that are evil because these ideologies are used to oppress people and also this whole idea of anti-colonialism right and so if you can classify someone as a colonizer right i mean that, that's like the worst thing in the world that anyone could do or be and anything that happens to them they deserve you know, today is a great day to get a warranty. Actually, any day is a great day when you're not worrying about your appliances and home systems. That's what you get with an American Home Shield warranty. All the unexpected breakdowns like a leaky faucet or faulty water heater, they're not going to break the bank because covered repairs and replacements are all taken care of. Having reassurance is something to celebrate. Choose the plan that works for you and your budget. When a covered item in your home breaks, all you do is contact American Home Shield. Their trusted, qualified pros will fix or replace it based on the coverage limits in your agreement. When it comes to protecting your appliances and home systems, don't worry. Be warranty. Go to ahs.com slash Beck and save 20%. That's ahs.com slash Beck and get 20% off any plan. See ahs.com slash contracts for coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. New Jersey residents, the product being offered is a service contract and is separate and distinct from any product or service warranty which may be provided by the home builder or manufacturer.